Life Audio. Hey there, welcome to the Homeschooling Families Podcast. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. We have a lot of fun things happening today. David is back on the show for the first time in a few months, and this is our first week in our new podcast home. Plus, we get to chat all about heart schooling today, so I'm excited to dive right in. David, you're back. (laughs) It's been so long. Well, it's good to be back. I enjoy it and have uh, have missed being on the show with everybody. It's funny that we had to come up here to the mountains for me to get back on, though. It, well, you know, it's always better to record in the mountains where we don't have kids running in and out. Yeah, I, I don't know about everybody else, but it's funny that we feel like we have to get away because we have so many people that are like, you know, dogs barking and people at our house all the time and just so much energy. Sometimes we just have to get away to get stuff done. Well, that's actually a really one of the things that I love most about our family is God has given us truly this revolving door with teenagers and adults and everybody in and out all the time, that that's also one of the things that makes it hard to to record podcasts and write content and do all the things that we're supposed to do for Teach Them Diligently. So it's a double-edged sword, but mostly I am so very, very grateful for it. And so thankful that even though our kids are largely grown now, for those of you who don't know us, we have four children Three are graduated, 23, 21, 19, and then we have a 16-year-old who's still in high school. But even though they're grown, they still love to talk to us. They still love to be around us. And that's honestly really a testament to the power of heart schooling. Yeah. And I was going to say that. I think that kind of the approach that we talk about with heart schooling has really given us this, this amazing relationship with the kids. And I don't think that, you know, I, I don't want to make it sound like that it's, it's, you know, rainbows and an amazing thing, you know, but it's fun and you have a very deep relationship with your kids and you get to know them very well and you kind of get through all of the, the stuff that's out there. You, you get beyond the shell, you get into their heart, you're able to share, you know, there's a lot of genuineness in that relationship. And for whatever reason, uh, their friends, I guess, are attracted to this thing as well <laughs> because they're constantly at our house. But and I, I make fun of it and laugh, and but I, I love it too. It's, it's it's a lot of fun to actually have uh, a house full on Sunday afternoons. Yeah, and I'm so grateful for the way that the Lord has has really directed our steps. You know, we talk a lot about how we prayed for direction when the kids were younger, and then we just kind of got into the weeds of doing all the things. And, you know, we'd get a little idea and we'd start to do it. But it wasn't really until we got farther down the road and we could kind of look in our rearview mirror and see how so many of those things that we just kind of got this wild idea to do were actually direct answers to our prayers for our children. And God was answering it by directing our steps and giving us those ideas. And they have profoundly impacted not only our kids' hearts, but the way that our family functions and everything else. And I I am so, so grateful for his working in that way. Yeah, so many of the things that, uh, like you say, we look back, and it's it's not like we planned. 
the, the things are turn out as they have. The way that we've gotten here is being willing to just take a step and to have certain priorities that were in our lives that have kind of led to this position that we're in now. And, you know, I think that, that again, heart schooling kind of plays into that is that we had this, this priority of showing our kids Jesus Christ, of bringing them to Jesus Christ and making that a priority in everything that we did. And over time, that kind of developed into this idea of heart schooling that you've now written a book about and done a course about. And we talk about it, teach them diligently. I, the idea of your home is your Jerusalem and have this gospel focus to what you're doing in homeschooling. We didn't come up with that, you know, 11, 12 years ago. We just said, man, we just want Jesus Christ to be number one in our home. And then over time, these things start to kind of take shape. And that's kind of where we are now. And that we're talking about is, is that we're talking about heart school, but it came about through taking small steps over time that maybe now when you, when some people see, they think, well, they must have had a recipe, you know, they must have had a really nice cookbook to make this thing work out. And really it was this willingness to just step out where we felt like the Lord wanted us to step out and having this priority that we tried to keep directly in the spotlight or directly before our eyes the entire time that we were raising the kids. And there was times where we made mistakes. There was times that we made moves that we weren't sure how they were going to turn out. And then we look back, we go, boy, I'm so glad that we did that. And, and now, you know, we've written a book, you've written a book and it's called art school. Homeschool for the heart. Homeschooling for the heart. So I, I guess, you know, Maybe we should talk about the book a little bit more here. Well, you know, before we can dive into that in a second, but as you were talking, I was thinking that there were so many things that we would pray. We pray scripture for our kids and then just allowing those things to influence the way that we did things. For example, you know, I used to pray that our kids would know scripture from an early age. There's a verse in Timothy that talks about that. And so how did that influence me? Well, it meant that I was much more inclined to present them with scripture at an early age, right? It gave, I gave legs to the prayer without even recognizing what I was doing. So we'd sit down at the breakfast table and I'd share what I was learning in my devotions. And, you know, we would talk about it. And then as they got older, they would start knowing that or, or wanting to do their devotions too. And it, you know, it kind of aged up with them. And then we get way down the road. And I look back and I recognize not only do they know an awful lot of scripture, so God answered that prayer very, very specifically, but also because of the way that you and I were really mentoring them by the way that we were living without actually assigning that term to it, they, because all they saw was us, were under the impression that every Christian got up, had their devotions in the morning, and then talked about it. This just became commonplace. It was just natural. And, and I'm, I think that that's when people look at heart schooling or homeschooling for the heart, as, as some people will, will talk about. When they look at that, they think that it's got to be this really, really difficult thing when actually it is very natural, but it is allowing the plan that God has laid out for families to actually be lived out intentionally day in and day out. And there's such power in that. So. I guess if we were to kind of 
you know, encompass this for, you know, people who are listening, you know, in their cars, headphones, clean their house, whatever they're doing right now, but they're listening. And we were to kind of say, hey, this is what this is. It's really comes down to this, a focus, right? It comes down to a commitment. And that's really what you're talking about when you talk about hard schooling is you're talking about this incredible commitment to reaching the heart of your kids for Christ. And it is this focus on bringing them to Jesus Christ constantly and everything that you're doing. So you're talking about, I mean, I mean, homeschooling is about discipleship. We talk about that all the time. And I think when we were in Poland, which surprise, surprise, guys, we just got back from Poland. I don't know if everybody knew that. But when we were in Poland, I remember having this conversation with a guy there that was that was uh, homeschooling his kids. We were talking about homeschooling is about discipleship. And it overflows into every single element of what you're doing. If you try to to keep homeschooling in a little education box, it's going to create an incredible amount of friction in your home. And it's going to cause almost this kind of schizophrenia that, you know, of identity. Who am I right now? And what he said, I really see that. He, he started to realize, wow, I really see that. So what you're saying is, and he goes, I always realize this. I'm sitting there teaching my child physics at the kitchen table. And the next thing I know, I'm talking about the creator and I'm actually going through Bible verses and we're actually discussing who Jesus Christ and who God is. I was like, exactly. That's exactly what homeschooling is. And you are bringing Jesus Christ into almost everything that you're doing. Yeah. I mean, at its core, heart schooling really is kind of that intersection of godly parenting where you are raising your children the way that God has called you to and excellent home education. You know, in our family, and we, we talk a lot through, um, both in the book as well as just kind of in general, we talk a lot about understanding your mission and then allowing that to inform your choices and what you're doing. In our family, our mission was to raise our children to love God and love people and then to prepare them well to walk through whatever door God opens for them in the days ahead. So that influenced every decision we made. That was how our home got open for everyone because we wanted them to see that we loved God and loved people. That's why we prioritize talking and being in God's word, talking about and being in God's word, as well as going to God's house. But that's also why we had to focus on the academic subjects as well and use them as the tool that they are to accomplish the entirety of our meeting. So after a short break, I want to come back and really start working out how that looks practically to to have that one mission and then to allow that to inform your choices uh, kind of day in and day out. All right, so before the break, we kind of laid out the fact that hard schooling is, it, it takes the tool of home education and it fits it into the context of your mission, which is godly parenting. It is discipling your children, bringing them to Jesus, as you keep saying. And so I wanted to just kind of throw that back out there. We talk a lot about mission, but 
And and I think a lot of people hear mission and they think missions, but really, you know, if you are in the military, you're sent out, out on a mission. You're not sent to three different spots at once. And so we we miss that part in our daily lives. How what does the the fact that you have one mission? How does that impact a family? Well, I mean, we you have to have a priority. There can only be one top priority. And if you try to put too many things on that top line, it really creates you're not going anywhere, yeah. right? You have no traction. And I mean, God, the Bible kind of alludes to this in a lot of different places. You know, it talks about you can't serve God and mammon, right? You cannot have multiple things that you were pursuing in the world. And so you can, you can't have all these goals. So it's Harvard or heaven, right? I mean, it is, you, you can only have one goal. And so what is your priority? You could, you need to have, you need to keep the main thing, the main thing. And I know that that even sounds kind of cliche when you say it, but it's true. You have to be able to have that, that, that top priority. And if you don't, things start getting muddied really quick and you start losing direction really quick. Things start to erode around you really fast. And if you're, you know, in your homeschool right now and you're struggling with, I don't know if I'm really going anywhere. Maybe this is an area that you want to actually look at and say, okay, what am I trying to actually achieve here? What is my goal? What is my priority? What am I willing to push everything else out of my life to make sure it happens? Above all else, make sure this happens. What is that thing? And then you pursue that. And when you start to pursue that, Everything else, it's amazing how everything else seems to fall in line. And I think in a previous podcast, I've alluded to, you know, you got to have a head of the line. Yeah. You know, and the illusion there is to when I was in kindergarten, the teacher would always stand up, say, okay, we're going to PE. We're going to the cafeteria. We're going to lunch. We're going wherever. Everybody line up. The head of the line is going to be, and she would put, her hand on somebody's shoulder or somebody's head and say, this is the head of the line. And once she did that, everybody would rush. I mean, we're talking four, five, six-year-old kids, energetic. They would all rush and get behind that one person. And then they would walk down the hall in a line. If she didn't do that, it would be mass chaos. Okay, let's go to PE. Everybody's running down the hall, screaming and yelling and pushing each other out of the way. And that's kind of the way your home is. Well, and that's, I think that's the the struggle that so many, so many of us, and I'll throw myself in there because I have to re- be reminded of this all the time. We know in our head that we have one goal. We have one mission, but practically that becomes really, really hard to focus on. And one of the things that, that I talk about in the book is a lot of the truths that, you know, you learn in the Bible or that we talk about as practical good ideas. They seem so simple and they make so much sense. And yet every current of the world, every bit of messaging, every bit of media tends to make you lose sight of it or the current is constantly going against you. So you feel like you're swimming upstream all the time. So as a, homeschooler on mission, which 
has always been my goal as a heart schooler, which is that mission. It's very, very easy for me or for anyone else to, to know that that's what we're going for. You know, I am going for the hearts of my children. I want to order my days to do that. But then to allow the friction that comes with the order of the day when it gets derailed to make us forget what we really want to be doing. And so to keep this ever before you is so powerful. And I think that that's one of the things that the whole concept of heart schooling really does. It gives you several very tangible things to just rehearse in your head when things start to go awry, to get you right back behind that line leader and to allow that line leader that you were talking about earlier to honestly kind of lead us down the hall rather than all of the different things, all of the priorities of, you know, we had four kids all with their own agendas. That can really become very discouraging. And then you add to that a husband coming home and you want to do this and you've got you know, opportunities at church and this, that, and the other. And it can get chaotic really, really quickly if you don't lean into what is truly your call and then allow that to influence every decision that you make. I I never cause chaos. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not even going to, I don't even need to comment on that because every lady out there listening was like, oh, baloney, he does too. So they know. Uh, so I mean, one of the things, a lot of the things that you're pointed out that kind of throw you off. You know, you're you're talking about social media, and you're talking about you know the the stuff in the world, but we kind of do that to ourselves. Oh, well, absolutely, right. I mean, you're you're you start rehearsing things in your head that just are not healthy. I mean, I do the same thing. I think every single person in the world, if they're honest, would say that some of the things that they rehearse in their head are not healthy at all and actually throw them off as well. They know these truths to be what they are, but for whatever reason, they fall in this rut. Yeah. You know, it's it was interesting. I was talking to a lady actually in Scotland when I was working on the book this past summer, and she was helping me do some edits. To my knowledge, I'm not even sure if she has any children. I know she is not a home educator. I um, am not sure if she's a believer or not. Uh, we never, she was just helping me edit this book. But she came to a conclusion that I thought was really, really insightful. And she said that it seems like the biggest hiccup, the biggest problem for people to think that they can be excellent home educators is that they really don't have any confidence that they can be good parents. And so they're constantly just swimming in this sea of, of doubt and discouragement, again, because they don't have that clearly defined vision of what they're doing, and they aren't going to the right place for the resources and the strength to do it, which obviously is God's word, walking with him, seeking his counsel day by day and growing closer to him. And that is where you get all of those amazing ideas and direction that practically impacts the way that you deal with tears during math. Yeah. And and all of these other really, truly lesser things, though at the moment, they can easily derail a day. Yeah. I mean, I think that when they start going off, somebody will say, what's the, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. You know, and they start just piling on themselves. Well, and Satan whispers, see, I told you, you couldn't do it. Yeah. You don't have enough patience for this. You don't have enough organization for this. You guys, your planner is a disaster. 
And these are really, these are very real concerns for a homeschool mom. These are things that we struggle with. So I, I don't think God is expecting us to be perfect. Well, he right? knows we're not. Yeah, right. And so I think I've heard you talk about how, you know, we're the right ones to do this, right? I mean, it, it is not, we don't need to go anyplace else. We don't know, need to look for a professional. We don't need to go and look for somebody to outsource this to. You are exactly the right person to disciple your kids. Well, yeah. And, and so many of us fail to recognize the privilege of the position that God has given us. And, and, and actually acknowledging that even the children or the child that we can't figure out for the life of us, God, in his all knowingness, his omniscience, he put that child in your family because he knew that he had created you to be his mom or he had created you to be his dad. And when we lose sight of that, it's very, very easy to get off, off track. But also when we lose sight of the privileged position that we, we have as parents, I mean, we are the very first teachers that our kids ever have. We are the ones that are teaching them everything from how to walk by holding their little fingers to how to say their ABCs by singing a little song or running around and pointing at colors with them or whatever. We start teaching them from the day that they're born. We are speaking to them. We're teaching them all this stuff. And then we've been trained to think that at five or four or three or whatever it is, we really are no longer adequate. We need to hand them over and and turn their training as well as their teaching over to someone else. And that is truly letting go of that privilege that God has given us to use those teaching moments as character training, as parenting platforms, as all of this other stuff, which honestly is one of the strengths of hard schooling because homeschooling and all the educational stuff gives you a tremendous amount of time and a great platform to teach all of these spiritual truths and all of this character strengthening and to truly prepare them to be the men and women that God created them to be. Well, if you're going to disciple, you have to be with them. Yep. Right. That It takes time. I mean, discipleship is life on life. And in order to actually disciple somebody, in order to do that, as God has kind of prescribed in the Bible, you have to be with them. Right. You can't be, you know, a long ways off. You, you, it, you're not supposed to outsource this. It, it, it takes time to do this. And it's not necessarily always having the right thing to say or the perfect thing to say in a particular moment. You have just that right little thing to say. It's not, it's time. Yes. You are life on life, moment by moment. You are walking with them through their experiences. And that's what discipleship is. And that's really as parents, that's what we've been called to be with our kids is we've been called to be the discipler. Oh, absolutely. And, and we've been called to, to, yeah, to teach them diligently. We, but, but even in that passage where we see this directive to parents, just in general, teach them diligently, parents are addressed before that, that we are to love God with all our heart, soul, mind. We are to fear him. We are to walk with him and let, let our opinion of him, our reverence and awe of him direct the steps that we take. Then we naturally are able to do the teaching, the training and all of that with our children as we walk, as we talk. And that's just injecting yourself into their life. That presence that you were talking about being with them 
but it's not just a physical presence. How many times have we seen, have we seen families that are together, like at a dinner table at a restaurant or something? And they're, they may be sitting at the same table, but they're not really present together because they are all visiting with other people or scrolling through other things at the same time. Yeah. I mean, my favorite, I mean, cell phones, you go to a basketball game now and I mean, people spend hundreds of dollars for these tickets and they're sitting in the stands and they're spending the entire time looking on their phones. And I mean, I don't know. It, uh, it's a very expensive place to be looking at your phone costly. I mean, talking about actually being present somewhere. I mean, if you're going to be there, you need to be there. But how much more expensive is it to fritter your limited time with your children by not actually being present with them? I mean, that's like the most expensive thing because you can't possibly ever get those days back. You can't possibly ever get those moments back. So, so taking advantage of the time that God has given you and really, truly being intentional with that time, enjoying the conversations, taking the detours, you know, learning more about how killer ants because you see one on a trail and spend a whole school day doing that. But the conversations that come out of that, looking at how creative God is, and then seeing years and years down the road where you still have this bond with them and it still comes up from time to time because it was such a weird looking creature that we saw. That's an amazing thing. And that strengthens the relationships, which is really another amazing benefit of taking a heart school approach is the relationships that you build within your family, both with your children, but also needs to be with your spouse as well, because you're doing this together. Absolutely. So you can't lose sight of that. You need to actually go to the mountains with them that's right. every once in a while, right? <laughs> exactly. And that's a whole podcast for another day. But today we just really wanted to encourage you to, first of all, get a very high view of the role that God has given you to play within your your children's lives. You have the most privileged position on the planet. You've been called to teach your children diligently, to shepherd their hearts, and to be a heart schooler. And we just hope and pray that we're able to walk with you every step of the way. Uh, we're actually going to look at one of a, the common hindrances to actually becoming a heart schooler next week. And, and we'll look at how de-schooling can be a great first step at overcoming that. So be sure you come back and listen next Tuesday as well. Now, if you want to explore heart schooling a lot more deeply, I invite you to download the ebook, Homeschool for the Heart, How Amazing Parents Become Excellent Home Educators, and then get started right away. We've even put some assessments and some thought-provoking questions in there to help you start to think like a heart schooler in some really, really practical areas. If you go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash book, you can get your copy today. So check that out. I really, truly believe that it will be a blessing and encouragement to you. I can tell you firsthand, and I think David would echo this, we have seen everything that we wrote in that book. We've seen it play out in our own family. And now we're, with a little bit of the, the benefit of hindsight, looking backwards, we see just the unbelievable wisdom of the way that God kind of directed our paths that way. Absolutely. It's been fun. It's been amazing, and I'm so very grateful. So have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining me today. 
It's my prayer that every episode of the Homeschooling Families podcast helps to strengthen your family by giving you biblical and practical ways to raise your children and educate them well. We'd love to engage with you more. So check out teachthemdiligently.net to find out about the resources and experiences we offer Christian homeschooling families like yours all year long. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. 